Hello, everybody. Joe Patrick here, Dirty South Soccer, with another edition of the Atlanta United 2 Report, brought to you here by the Dirty South Soccer Podcast Network, of course. Have a couple games to talk about today. Um, last time we caught up was with a conversation with Stephen Glass. We were talking ahead of his team's resumption of their season in USL against the Tampa Bay Rowdies that happened a couple weeks ago. Since then, they've played that game. They lost 2-1, to one, uh, as well as the game they played over the most recent weekend on July 18th against Memphis 901 FC. So we're going to talk a little bit through both of those games. We're all well, obviously going to talk about the players that kind of stood out there and um, what we can expect from them going forward. I think it was it will run through some of their quotes as well. The team isn't doing yet um, like audio that we can share or video that we can pull audio from to share with you guys. But we at least have the quote sheets. They are asking them questions after these games. Of course, the media is not able to be there. But uh, we will kind of go through some of the quotes and talk about some of the things that we're seeing from these guys. Uh, of course, the, the maybe the standout over these two games has been Jackson Conway, and it's a perfect place to start out because that game against uh, Tampa Bay, he scored the lone goal for Atlanta United. And if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've seen that goal because it was an absolute galazzo uh, of you know the highest order you're going to see in USL. It struck it from about 30, 35 yards, had the goal kind of caught the goalkeeper off his line. It, it was not a chip. I would not call it a chip shot at all. It was like a um, just a just a nicely hit kind of curling shot. It wasn't quite in the corner, but it did make its way over the goalkeeper and under, under the bar. So a great strike for Conway. And it's great to see him get off to such a, a bright start and not not to his Lenny and I two career, but kind of this was a big year for him to make a push to try to secure a, a homegrown player deal if possible. And I'm sure Atlanta United is kind of looking at that um, as uh, for the future for him, not necessarily an immediate thing. I know that since he's been playing well, he scored again against Memphis this most recent weekend. A lot of people have been saying, Oh, well they, you know, with Joseph out, that was a perfect time to sign a guy like Jackson Conway. And to an, like, I understand why that, why that is coming up, but I think that the club is probably looking at a guy like Conway similarly to the way they looked at George Campbell, where he had a good season with Atlanta United too, really proved himself, proved to be like the consistent player that they thought he would be, and then signed him to his homegrown deal at the end of that year with an eye towards the next season. So I think that you could be looking at Jackson Conway in a similar light as we kind of track his progress over the course of this season. I think you're looking at a guy who, if he can prove himself to be consistent, can get that homegrown player deal kind of, again, toward the end of this season, most likely with an eye toward the 2021 uh, MLS season and kind of being that backup striker. You know, not that many people know a ton about a lot of these guys because Atlanta United 2 just doesn't get the same coverage, obviously. But Jackson Conway is, he, you know, there's been a, there's obviously a lot of talk about the kind of striker that Adam John is for MLS, for the MLS team um, and how he's kind of different from what Joseph is and that kind of thing. Jackson Conway is in that similar mold. Like Jackson Conway is listed as six three. I heard him on the broadcast as described as being six foot four. I haven't been able to stand next to him anytime recently, maybe ever. I don't know if I've ever talked to him in person. I can't remember, but um, he is definitely a big boy. It definitely stands out <laughs> in the games. I mean, he's bigger than most of the center backs he's going against, and it's hard to believe that he's only eighteen years old just by the size of him. So you're looking at a a real 
kind of big number nine. That's kind of the way he profiles out much different than a Joseph Martinez, but still has those same qualities where he's not going to, uh, he's not going to just be a guy who stands there and gets on the end of headers. Like he definitely wants to play with his feet. He's got a lot of technical ability. Um, he's got even quickness right now in his career. I think that that will probably, you know, he'll, he'll lose some of that just naturally with the, the way his body is built over time. But I think in the next five years, you're still looking at a guy who's going to be relatively mobile and um, able to kind of be a, a goal poacher as well as a guy who can get on the ends of crosses. So I'm just really interested to see what happens with Jackson. Is, is he able to put in the consistent performances this year? That's going to be the thing that is telling as to whether he gets a full-on homegrown player deal or not. He was actually given his Atlanta United 2 deal in December of 2018. So if you think about that, you know, the end of this year will be about two years on from him signing that deal, which would probably be around the time where it's time to make a decision. The club will need to make a decision on, you know, what they want to do with a player like him. So I would look forward to him getting that homegrown player deal. I think it would be, if you're looking at it from Carlos Bocanegra's point of view, the way you fill out an MLS roster, I think it would give the team a ton of financial flexibility, which I know is a, a term. If you're a Braves fan, you love that term. Um, it would give them a ton of flexibility within the MLS salary budget to have a legitimate backup striker as a homegrown player on a, on a deal like that that doesn't count against the salary budget charge. Um, it would be a huge deal. So um, let's all root and hope for Jackson that he can keep on putting in these performances. And again, we'll get some of his quotes later, but obviously I wanted to get him get on get to him right off the bat on the on the show here because he has obviously been the standout so far uh in fact you know something that really struck me was as good as his goal was against tampa bay that first goal that we talked about earlier the goal that he scored against memphis may have been not better technically but it kind of showed me more about him what was really interesting about the goal was the way he read the play. I think it was Philip Goodrum, who's a recent draft pick from Atlanta United, too. Goodrum runs with the ball and kind of cuts inside, goes like around the outside corner and gets to the to the end line, right where the where the where the box meets the end line. And it's kind of a it's a really tricky situation for defenders to deal with. I thought Jackson Conway, and again, we'll get into this with his quote. In fact, I might just pull it up right here, but um he was very clever in the way he positioned himself and he didn't just crash all the way into goal, like keeping his momentum going. He slowed down. He allowed the defenders, the back line to kind of over pursue back toward their own end line. And it gave Goodrum a perfect little lane to cut a ball back right toward the penalty spot. And then, so, so that's really good to see from a guy like Conway to, to have that vision and be able to kind of read the game to see that that's where the space was going to be for Goodrum to make that to to send that ball into him. And then also the way he finished it was was very professional. He, he you could tell the way the ball was rolling to him, he had an idea of the way he wanted to position his body so that when he received it he was only going to need to take he, well the shot would be the first touch and he kind of opened his body and was able to just direct it to the far post. It wasn't, he wasn't trying to hammer it at all. He was just trying to put it in a place where he knew it was going to be difficult for the goalkeeper to get to considering again, all the flow of the play was going the other way. So just like a really classy um, professional goal from Conway there. And it showed me a lot about the kind of player he is, the kind of mind he has, um, the way he understands the way that defenders are going to react to certain situations. And I think that, for again, for as great as that goal against Tampa Bay was, 
I think you see a lot from him in the way that this goal was scored against Memphis. Here's his quote on the goal. He said, yeah, it was a great team goal. Phillip did a great job in creating space and beating that defender down the line. Once I saw the defenders crashing the goal, I noticed the space near the penalty spot. So I waited and held my ground and looked to see if Phillip could pull the ball back, which he did. And I just finished the play. It's good to get that second goal. And I also find it interesting. He was asked on what he'd been working on during the suspension of play. And he said that he sat down with Glassy and he sat down with uh, Henry Apolu, who's the assistant coach at Atlanta United too. And this is a quote. He said, during this break, and they showed me videos of Sergio Aguero, the Man City striker who scores goals for fun. I was watching his movements and what he does in and around the box to get all those goals as a striker. That's what you're paid to do. Score goals for the team, end quote. And I think that's great. I And Sergio Aguero is a great player to learn from. Obviously, we all know that he's just a great striker and that you can always learn things from watching great strikers play. But the, what, what really makes Aguero great is not some, I mean, his technical ability is very good, but the way that Sergio Aguero moves in the penalty box is kind of unlike almost any striker you'll see. Like he, he's so good at finding these little spaces. And I think that he's the perfect player for players to look up to and try to emulate their games. We talked to Tyler Wolf, another Atlanta United Academy player the other day, and he said that he, again, he mentioned Aguero as well as a player that he looks to. And I do wonder, I'll have to ask Glassy if he's kind of a player that the coaching staff in general likes to, likes to um, kind of share with the players they have in the squad and, and have them watch him a little bit more because of what the way he um, goes about playing the position is I wouldn't say unique, but he's just very, very good at what he does. Um, so that's interesting. But anyway, all this to say great kind of start to the season or restart to the season for Jackson Conway. I hope that he is able to kind of stay in this position as the center forward up top for this team throughout the season. And I hope he gets a, a lot of run of games. I know that obviously this uh, Eric Lopez has been signed for Atlanta United two on loan with an eye towards moving him to Atlanta United. I'm sure he, I mean, let's get this straight. Eric Lopez is an Atlanta United signing. He has to come to Atlanta United too for reasons, <laughs> for reasons, right? Um, reasons about the MLS salary budget and how all these rules work. But Eric Lopez is going to be an Atlanta United player. But I do think like he will play for Atlanta United too, most likely um, in the time being while, while he's here before he makes that move. And so I hope that Jackson Conway is able to keep that position that he has as the center forward and allow Eric Lopez to kind of work off of him uh, in a way. I think that Atlanta United too will be a, a really great team if that is the case. I mean, that was the one thing that stood out to me. It, it, you really couldn't get uh, any real read on Atlanta United 2's attack in the Tampa Bay game because Amir Bashti was sent off. Uh, the, one of the central midfielders was sent off with a red card, straight red for denying a goal-scoring opportunity. And, like, I don't have the, the the stats in front of me. It was, like, minutes into the game, like <laughs> like a few minutes. So they played almost that entire game with 10 men and really almost got a result out of it, almost got a draw, um, which would have been an incredible result. But it was hard to draw anything from the attack in that game as to where in the Memphis game, you could really kind of see the the full flow of the attack. And it was great to kind of see the the attacking thrust that the team had that I think a lot of us have been wanting to see from Atlanta United in MLS's back. Um, the team really, they, they do well in possession, but when they get the ball into that attacking third, they really seem to have a lot of momentum uh, that... It, 
I don't know how better way to say it other than like this thrust towards goal that is you can just feel it. It's like apparent that these guys are eager to get into the box and try to score a goal. They're not just trying to hold possession in the final third and do this tiki taka thing. Like I mean, they do that to an extent. They want it. They want to have the ball. They want to play the ball and 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 build up in an organized fashion. But then once they go, they go, and it, and it, it creates an exciting brand of soccer, in my opinion. It creates goals as we saw in the game. Um, and the players that they have in those positions. When you talk about Jackson Conway. Philip Goodrum looked really, really good. He was the one who provided that assist. And then you've got Coleman Gannon, a guy who is committed to uh, NC State, but he there's still time for him to potentially sign a professional deal with Atlanta United, too. He was kind of the other player in that kind of front three, although he floated around, did a little bit more box to box. Um, he looked fantastic as well. So a lot of stuff to be excited about with Atlanta United, too. And we didn't even get to see a lot, you know. That was, that was only from the guys we saw. I'm really excited to keep on continue watching this team. I hope that the coronavirus and all this stuff kind of doesn't create another hiatus for this team. Hopefully that stuff all stays away and we can see a season full, um, you know, like a, a, essentially a full season, as full of a season as we can have this year uh, for this team, because I think there's a lot of fun soccer ahead. Will there be results? No idea. But I know that a lot of these guys are really fun to watch and I'm looking forward to it. I still want to get to a little bit more on this game against uh, Memphis. Also want to get to Glassy's quotes from after the game, which we will do. But first, let's take a quick break. All right. And we're back. Uh, before we get in, I want to talk. I want to get into some of the things Glassy said. I'm just going to read some of Stephen Glass's quotes from the quote sheet. Um, but I did want to go through some of the notes from the game first. Uh, we've talked about some of the individuals and obviously Jackson Conway's goal. But uh wanted to get into this. Atlanta United 2 fielded its youngest ever starting 11 at an average age of 19.6. It's the second time the team has had an average age starting under 20 years old um, with the last one coming uh, last July against Red Bulls too. That is impressive. I mean, that is a very young starting 11 uh, and they, and they played well, like, like we were talking about earlier in the game or earlier in the episode here, team played well. Um, Philip Goodrum collected his first professional assist and Mojidama, who is the captain on the night uh, playing center back, registered his first assist also with uh, Lenny United too. And then a Johnny fortune made his first USL championship start. And David Mejia, who was a new signing this offseason, made his per- first professional appearance. And uh, I know glass, he was impressed with the way Mejia played. So like great stuff from from Atlanta United too. I think this is kind of what they envision of this team. When they first got started, they needed some more veteran players. They needed players to just fill gaps in the roster and that kind of thing. Anyway, I think they needed some some older players at that time as well, um, just to kind of set the tone for what the team was. And I that first year under Scott Donnelly, uh, he did not really have the coaching pedigree, in my opinion. Uh, as does Steven Glass. I think Steven Glass does a great job kind of setting the tone for these guys. And I think that he's better suited to playing with a kind of a or using younger players in the team. And I think that that's obviously the way that Atlanta United, Atlanta United, the club wants Atlanta United to to be utilized is kind of this, you know, the proving ground, uh, like a like a crucible for some of these younger players to kind of forge themselves into uh, top quality pros. If you look at the stats from the game, uh, it doesn't really tell the story, in my opinion, of how it went for Atlanta United too. The shots were 21 to 11 Memphis. But again, those shots, a lot of them seem like either low quality headers or kind of pop shots from outside the box. Like there weren't a ton of 
great scoring chances from Memphis that I can recall, at least off the top of my head. Um, I think it kind of showed the shots on target were equal at four four. So they had 21 shots, only four of them on target. I think that says something about the kind of shots that Memphis was taking in the game. They had six corners to Atlanta's three. Um, they had the the possession edge 54% Memphis did. And again, a little bit higher back pass accuracy, 84 versus 81%. But again, I think Atlanta United too showed a lot of good attacking thrust. It was what, what you wanted to see uh, from them out of the game. All right, let's get into uh, Atlanta United 2 head coach Stephen Glass's quotes. I'm literally just going to read this from the quote sheet, so uh, bear with me. I was thinking about possibly doing my best uh, Scottish accent for this to try to make me sound like Glassy, but I, I just can't do it. I think I sound more Irish anyway when I try to do some kind of British accent, so we'll spare you guys this time. Um, he was asked on just overall on the performance. He said, tonight was the youngest group we've ever put out as a club. That's obviously something you look for when you are competing with some of the independent teams with a group so young. It's impressive impressive work from the group, especially the young ones, which they pretty much all were. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little side note for me. Uh, back to the quote. There was good leadership from Mo, Mo Madua Jadama. He had some key blocks, especially early in the second half and played some great passes out of the back. Can confirm he definitely did. Back to the quote. Caleb Wiley and Matthew Edwards were good again. Ajnani Fortune comes for his starting debut. David Mejia makes his professional debut. Coleman Gannon was outstanding tonight and got his first professional goal. He played two or three different positions throughout the match as well. A real man of the match type performance. He looked good in each of those positions. When the players understand how we want to play and are tactically aware, that bodes well for the future. Then he was asked on Coleman Gannon and putting putting him in different positions. Quote, His work rate is unbelievable, but he's got better technique than a lot of people give him credit for. I was pleased that he took his goal so well when he got in that position. Later in the game, he's playing left wing back as a right-footed player. He looked really good, like a really good left wing back. That's great for him to show that versatility for the team. And then Stephen Glass was also asked on how the attack looked dangerous all night. Quote, yeah, we have a lot of guys that can score goals. We look dangerous. We keep the ball very well, but we also carry that threat to score. I think we could maybe get more runs in behind the defense, but with Amadou, Mackie, Giap is probably the best suited to carry out that kind of threat. We have different types of threat from multiple players. We are difficult to play against. We are difficult to defend against when we are playing at our best. If we continue going the way they're going, then we will have a very good season. Obviously, we need to get in the win column here soon, but I think the performance level the guys are giving and learning what it takes to play in this division I believe the wins will be coming very soon. And hard, again, end quote. Hard to disagree with with what he said there. I think that you know Atlanta United deserved to win that game Saturday night. In my opinion, I think they deserved to win the first game they played this season against the Charleston Battery. They really were the ones who had the best chances, and the Battery got a really cheap free uh, penalty uh, that, w- in my opinion, was not a penalty. I was there at that game. Um, seems like decades ago honestly but uh anyway that's besides the point um teams look good and then again against the rowdies it's really hard to judge that performance considering the the early red card kind of similarly to what we saw with uh the atlanta united and mls is back except that the red card that atlanta united two had was in like the fifth minute not the 25th minute but either way hard to kind of judge the overall performance based on that I do also want to give a shout out to a couple of our writers on Dirty South Soccer who have been doing really good work kind of covering a lot of the Academy stuff, a lot of Atlanta United 2 stuff. Greg Gowder has recently joined us. He w- We found him writing fan posts that were amazing, and uh, he's j- kind of joined the staff 
and has been kind of covering a lot of the uh, Atlanta United Academy players or players who have come from the Academy. So thanks so much to Gray for his good work. And then Kyle Soto did did an article, a really in-depth article about the Academy that was really good. Uh, Would encourage everybody to just Google Kyle Soto Atlanta United Academy, uh, and I'm sure it'll pop up. Um, He talked to Tony Anon. He talked to George Campbell. He talked to uh, a guy, uh, Takuma Suzuki, I think is his name, who was a player from the Academy who went on. He's now at Wake Forest. I think it, it just shows um, how successful this academy is when they're just where they're taking so many kids and putting them at least in the college ranks. If they're not getting professional contracts, at least they're in college playing, um, and that's good for them. That's good for their careers, whether it be as soccer players or just you know as people who want to go to a really nice school. Um, that's a great opportunity for them, and so you have to give a lot of credit to the academy. And that's really to me, the, I love the academy because it's what separates Atlanta United from other sports teams, uh, especially just like traditional American sports teams and the ones that we see uh, in in this city, of course. The, the academy really is what, to me, defines the club. You know, like, it, it, like that's what separates it from being just another franchise. The academy is cultivating talent from the streets around town. You know, they're, they're, they find kids from around here develop them as players and then move them on to the next level, whether that be for a college team, whether that be for Atlanta United too, whether that be straight to Atlanta United, as it was the case for, uh, for Tyler Wolf. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're like kind of cultivating the soil that is the soccer talent in the area. And to me, that is so cool. That's like, that's what should give kids inspiration that are out there playing in the park that I see next to my house on weekends, um, they should be able to look up and be like, man, if I can get into the Atlanta United Academy, that gives me a pathway to college or Atlanta United or wherever they want to go in their, in their saga careers. Maybe they want to go to Chelsea and, 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 and be the next Chris and Pulisic, whatever it is, the Academy is what really provides that for them. And so that's why I, it's so important for me um, for dirty South soccer to cut, to cover the Academy and what Atlanta United is to, two is doing with these players that come out of it. Uh, and, and really I'm just happy to see it. It feels to me like even early in this Atlanta United two season, this feels like another step is being taken. And I think that again, as time goes on, as every year passes, these kids get a little bit older, another year of development within the system, you know, you know, depending on what age they started at, you're just going to concede, you're going to continue to see this start to, build on itself and for it all to snowball and for the players that they are produced to start to get better and better. And, th- you know, this is a great place for a soccer player to be growing up right now if you're in the Atlanta area. And that's, this is the way the sport is going to move forward in this country. So I'm really just happy to see uh, everything that Tony Nan's doing, everything that Steven Glass is doing. And of course, it's all headed up by Carlos Bocanegra and Darren Niels. So very happy to see it. One more thing we need to talk about is Andrew Carlton, what he's been up to. Uh, of course, he's probably the most famous um, player that's come through the Atlanta United Academy and uh, hasn't quite you know, reached the admittedly lofty expectations a lot of people had for him coming in you know, to Atlanta. Obviously, he was it was just tough for him. He, he was in a really tough spot. The club put a big spotlight on him and maybe it was too early. You know, he was only, what, 16 years old when that was all going on. So 
Um, I think we need to understand that he's still very, very early in his career. And despite kind of some of the um, pitfalls or stumbling blocks that he has had so far in his career, his career is not over, you know, and he can still have a great career. And I don't know if that's going to be with Atlanta United. I don't know if it's going to be with some other MLS team. Maybe it could be in your, like, who knows? I, I don't know what's going to happen with Andrew Carlton, but uh, he seems to really get, be getting things back on track and having one of his best seasons since signing as a professional with Atlanta United when he's on loan this year with, uh, with Indy 11. And I'm just going to read right from Gray's piece because he kind of wrote up about Andrew in his uh, weekly recap here. He said this loan seems to have been exactly what Carlton needed. Now playing as a facilitator from the left wing, Carlton delivered some immaculate service from midfield and from set pieces to set up his teammates, including Tyler Pasher, who's kind of their big um, main man up top. He combines well with his partners in the front three with crisp, quick passing, often dropping into midfield to bring the ball up from deeper positions to spring forwards running off of opposing center backs. And that's something that has been an interesting evolution in Andrew Carlton's game is that I think we all envisioned him as a guy who was going to play very high up the field, was going to be in the box, trying to create goals, score goals. And I think he does like to do that, but he seems to have found a lot of success in dropping back a little bit, playing a little deeper, um, not, not not like playing deeper, um, a deeper role, especially when the team is off the ball, but like at least just dropping off and finding space that way instead of trying to find space driving forward. I think when he drops off, he's able to find the space that he he likes to have to have a touch or two and then pick out his pass, which he seems to have been doing really well. Um, Gray continues, Andrew Carlton is trying to force the Atlanta United bosses into making a difficult decision this winter about his future. He is playing like he deserves another shot and is still just 20 years old. The question is whether he will get it with us or with somebody else. So, um, it will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how Atlanta United evaluates what he's been doing uh, with with Indy and see if he can get a new contract or, you, you know, maybe with especially when you look at the way that his career in Atlanta went, considering he kind of he grew up here um, and he seems to be performing well now that he's kind of gotten out of this kind of quote unquote comfort zone that a lot of people talk about with him. Maybe maybe the best move for him is to not be in Atlanta. And so maybe maybe United could potentially try to trade him, get some um, allocation money for him, something like that. Uh, obviously, a player like Carlton is always going to be most valuable with the club, with his homegrown uh, club, um, just because of the way that MLS roster rules work and stuff like that. But if Atlanta United doesn't think that he's ever going to be the player that he can potentially be with them, then I think that the best move will be to, will be to move him on and try to get something for him. But again, that's all down the road. All we can, he can do for now and all Atlanta United wants to see him do right now is continue to produce and, and set up goals and create goals and score goals, hopefully. So uh, he seems to be doing that, or at least since the season has gotten started again. So I'm really happy to see that for Andrew and I, uh, I wish him all the best in his career and hopefully it's, here and for a long time to come if not so be it that's gonna do it for the show today we will be back i don't know when we'll be back i just plan to do these kind of updates periodically so maybe maybe if i talk to glassy later this week we can get uh i'll just record that and put it up for you guys um it kind of is just whenever whenever things happen 
um, we'll try to get them up. So just keep an eye out for it. And thank you guys for subscribing. If you don't already, uh, you can follow this podcast by subscribing to the Dirty South Soccer Podcast Network. That's where I'm on with J. Sam Jones doing five-stripe final um, after most Atlanta United games. Mouths of the South are on there as well. So uh, you definitely won't be <laughs> missing anything Atlanta United if you're following um, Dirty South Soccer Podcast. And you do us a favor, actually, by by subscribing. So um, it's free, obviously, and uh, helps us. So um, we thank everybody who has already subscribed and follows dirty south soccer we appreciate you guys so much um that's you you guys make the site you know like you guys are why we all volunteer to do this thing and um put our time into it and so thank you guys for being there with us as we try to get this season started back up Uh, i know it's been tough for a lot of you guys i know it's been tough for me and our writers not having anything to write about but i think we're all just excited to to get things going again and hopefully you guys are as well so um we look forward to being with you for the rest of the season and going forward Uh, until the next show we'll see you guys later